you mother fanner. Fun Lab. Hello, and welcome to our latest episode of You Mother Funner. In today's episode, we talk to Rachel. Rachel was diagnosed with fibromyalgia a few years back. If you don't know much about fibromyalgia, keep listening, because Rachel tells us all about it. She tells us how this diagnosis impacted her life significantly, how much her life has changed, and what she does to keep being positive. Hello, Rach. How are you going today? Very well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for asking. So, Rach, I really am looking forward to having this conversation with you today. However, before I do that, one of the things that we tend to ask anyone on the You Motherfunner podcast is describe yourself in three words. So, Rach, how would you describe yourself in three words? In three words, I would say I'm kind, uh, I'm compassionate, and I'm a loyal, loyal person. Thanks for showing that. So you're the first person who's ever used the term loyal. What is it about you that makes you loyal? Uh, when, when I'm talking about loyalty, I think it's just uh, loyalty to the things I'm dedicating myself to. So my, my work in particular, I'm very loyal to my workplace. I, I'm just a fun lab fangirl. I'm obsessed with it. And once I've got some, you know, a strong love for something, I, I tend to kind of stick to it. And that's definitely been the case. Awesome. Thank you. All right. I'd like to talk to you about about your background. So were you always in Queensland and you're currently based in Queensland, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm working from home uh, for the concierge team. I was I was born in Queensland. I've, I've grown up here my entire life, never moved away. I lived with my grandfather until I was six years old. I was just a curious, super active, energetic kid. I, I got my first job as soon as I could. I was very eager to, to learn and to do do new things. 14, nine months, I was out in the workforce and I haven't stopped since. Following, following a few jobs, I, I was caring for my grandfather who had early onset Alzheimer's, but once he passed away, I needed to make a change. And so I, I started setting out my resume and five months after that, I, I started working for SkyZone. I got that call for the, the interview where you get to dress up and I definitely thought I was being pumped. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think I, I've always been in Queensland and, and yeah, everything always comes back to what I'm, what I'm doing now. For those of those of them listening who may not know what SkyZone is because it currently doesn't exist in Australia, what is SkyZone? It is, well, it was in Australia um, the best indoor trampoline park, I believe. Uh, it was, for me, it was like a second home. I, I felt like I'd found a family there and it was, it was just pure joy. Nice one. And what was your role in SkyZone? I started off in SkyZone as a receptionist. I, um, with Ding, they're all about growth. So I, I moved all around the venue, but reception, sky guarding, which was up monitoring the jumpers up on the courts, up at the trampolines, uh, climb minister, once we had sky climb installed, uh, the kitchen, I worked in the kitchen, I absolutely loved it. I was a bit of an all-rounder, but they give you those, they gave you those kind of opportunities in a venue. So a little bit of everything. That's awesome. All right. So, Rachel, 
For those who may not know, what is fibromyalgia and what is your story with this condition? Yeah, so without sort of extensive medical knowledge, understanding fibromyalgia or fibros, what I just lots of people call it just to shorten it it's a mouthful um, it's a really complex condition it involves the nervous system um, and it can have an impact on pretty much any part of the the body for me uh, the short and sweet of it i usually just say that anything that you would usually interpret as sensation my body is interpreting as pain so like you're thinking about the weight of your shirt on your shoulders you're just wearing a shirt but that's it can become incredibly painful um there's it's it's quite a complex condition though it's really good explanation that i found online it's it's a little bit of a a mouthful but i'd love to put it out there that it says imagine you're planning a party and expecting about 20 guests Three or four friends told you they'd come early to help you out, but they don't show. And instead of 20 guests, you get 100. You're overwhelmed. That's what it feels like. That's what's happening with our pain signals. The the cells are sending too many pain messages. Um, Those are the party guests. Up to five times as many as a healthy person. And that can turn simple things like mild pressure or an itch into pain. And so when those pain signals reach the brain, they're processed by something called serotonin. However, we don't have enough serotonin. Those are the friends who were <laughs> who didn't show up to help, and that leaves the brain overwhelmed. And that's why we've got pain in tissue that shows no sign of damage. It's not imagined pain. It's just a misinterpreted sensation, and the nerves and brain turn into actual pain because it's, it's pretty incredible. But when your mind tells you something hurts, it just hurts. There's no control holding it, unfortunately. And yeah, other chemicals and hormones and those with fibromyalgia um, sort of just turn up the volume of everything your senses detect, whether it's like light, noise, odor, on top of pain, which can lead to sort of a sensory overload. It's, it's quite overwhelming. Thank you for that very quick explanation. All right. so. I want to ask you about what your life was like once you found out about your diagnosis and how much of your life changed after this. Yeah, so life before fibro and after fibro, it's definitely one of one of those things where it's sort of like everyone can think back to you know time before COVID and time after COVID, those kind of huge events in your life. And for me, beforehand, I was a very very energetic, very uh, physical, outgoing, outdoorsy kind of person. I liked very hands-on labor kind of intensive work. And and afterwards, that that all changed because it wasn't it wasn't physically possible anymore. The the more strain you put on your body, the more pain you you're experiencing in this kind of condition. So it's something that could be straining, which sounds ridiculous, but some days putting your hair up that could be really straining that could take a lot of your energy out of your day and you might not be able to go on and do other things so before and after it kind of is night and day but yeah you, you learn to live with it and adapt when did you first find out i first found out shortly after i started at sky zone so in 2017 it was it was four days into the new year six months to the day before my 21st birthday i was formally diagnosed but i 
I'd been experiencing symptoms on and off for quite a while before that, but it was nothing that was really heavily impacting my life. It was only until it kind of reached that kind of tipping point where I was I was just searching for answers. There was seemingly no reason for me to be feeling um, that level of pain or fatigue. It was just unusual. I was incredibly sick at the early stages because I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand my condition. Um, I didn't even know I had that condition. And, and I was just, I was sort of just scraping by because I, I was working so hard at Skyzone doing what I absolutely loved. But if I was working, that was, that was all I could get myself to do. I'd get to work, I'd go home, I'd rest, only rest, I'd sleep, go back to work, only to need to rest again. And I couldn't do anything before or after work. Yeah. Because you mentioned Sky Zone, there is a really touching story about how some of our mother funners showed support for you. Would you like to share that with everyone listening? Yeah, so it was it was a while after I'd started at Sky Zone that I, I got my official diagnosis. But yeah, I in the in the years following that I I'd undergone clinical trials. I had tried every medication under the sun, and that adds up because uh, even at the time that it was taking to titrate, sort of build your way up to a dose and then take yourself back off. Some had really horrible side effects. Surgery, I needed surgery for a secondary condition. That was extremely expensive. Cardiac events, having to have a cardiac monitor for you know a, a week week on and and everything that followed before and after that was extremely expensive so i was under i was under a lot of financial pressure because i was i was i was quite unwell but i was a casual worker so i needed to to work to get paid to pay off these kind of medical debts but at the same time the more i was working the worse i was getting because i wasn't listening to my body didn't quite understand my limits at that stage and Lana who at the time Lana Humble she was the venue manager now a cluster manager she was the venue manager at Sky Zone she had seen how much I was struggling she knew how much time I was needing to take off and how much I was just battling to get back in the door and not being able to complete shifts but just desperate to get any kind of you know anything that I could and she'd she'd approached me uh once and I you know, suggesting that they do some kind of fundraiser because that's just kind of the, the person that she is. And I, I believe that Blaze, who's the chief innovation officer for Fun Lab, I, I believe Blaze probably had a, a little bit to do with that as well. But I turned it down just sort of, I, I'm not sure if it was pride or just embarrassment, but I just, I, I couldn't possibly imagine that, you know, who would be deserving of something like that. I just couldn't imagine it. So I turned it down. And I think it was after I'd had my surgery and I ended up needing to be in hospital for like three times as long as they'd originally said because I just wasn't recovering as well considering my fibro. And after that, I needed even longer to recover from that. And Lana just sort of put it to me again. And I, I just kind of, I said yes. And then they took... They took over um, the team at Sky Zone. Taylor Davidson, who was one of the managers at Sky Zone at the time, who now works in the sales team, she was incredibly helpful organising things like sponsors and just the night turned into something crazy. But they did a fundraising night 
and all the effort that led up to that night culminated in almost ten thousand dollars being raised and that was life saving i think for me not to over dramatize it but at that stage at that point of my life i was i was i felt like i was drowning because there was just there was too much and so yeah that was that was incredibly helpful but just touching I was so humbled by it and I can't I you can't stop me from talking about it uh, to, to anyone who will give me the time of day because you know Fun Lab's done so much for me and the team you know the team at Sky Zone on that night you know they were volunteering they were volunteering their time that night um the, the revenue from the venue that was do- from that night was donated like just incredible stuff the the whole place was kitted out in orange for me I've, i mean i've got orange hair so you know rang a rate is what they call me and yeah it's just an incredible incredible night and yeah i'm never gonna forget it that's beautiful isn't it yeah i i i'm so so grateful completely changed the trajectory of my life as well because it just gave me an opportunity to sort of breathe again which was which was just much needed so it's been a couple of years now since your diagnosis and you are currently living with fibromyalgia can you tell me what what your life is like now and how different is it to your average person that doesn't have fibromyalgia yeah i mean life is different it's been about six years since i was diagnosed and and i've just had to learn how to adapt learn my limits and and i think what's really benefited me is i'm now working from home and so i've i've got an even better balance when it comes to life because i'm not physically you know straining myself for eight hours at work guys was an incredibly physical role and working from home in the comfort of my own home i've got my my dog who is just you know therapy dogs are incredible and and so i've i've definitely got more of a balance but yeah it still turns out to be that perhaps i might only be able to work and i might not be able to go out afterwards or beforehand i might need to rest before doing things like literally just sitting down to work sometimes you need that because the fatigue is so intense that you could have had an entire night's sleep and still felt like you've not slept a wink or you might not sleep at all because your pain's so intense so life now looks looks a little different but yeah i can i can still get get to work i can i can work um, a full day some days i can go to the shops which is incredible and then on the weekends I now have the ability to go out and actually do something on a weekend and know that that's not going to drain me so much that I'm not going to be able to then go and do my role because I'm working from home. So it's it's so good. I, I'm really happy with where life's at at the moment just because I'm so grateful that I've got I've got that kind of flexibility now. I've I've got the ability to to work. I've got the ability to do normal human things like go out to dinner with some friends. And, and it doesn't impact me too much because I've just adapted. I'm not going to be going and, you know, moving an entire house worth of furniture. I'm going to have to ask for help. I'm not going to, you know, break, break my back doing some gardening work. I'm going to have to ask for help. So just learning what I should and should not be doing has just made all the difference. And sometimes asking for help is not the worst thing in the world, you know. So I was going to ask you about your social life and I'm glad you touched on that. 
do you have a time limit of when you can see your friends and do you stick to that time limit? Mm, I mean, that's a great question. And I think it's one of one of the tougher parts about the condition. It's just how it's inconsistent. I might make plans and absolutely be so keen to go and do something. And for no reason at all, I haven't strained, strained myself in the week up you know, leading up to the weekend, but for whatever reason, I might just wake up and just be in absolute agony, which would be more of a flare-up than anything because the pain is always there, but to the point where I can't then go out and do what I was hoping to do or plan so I'd step, that can happen. It's happening much less now that I'm working from home. I've definitely seen an improvement that way. I'm having less flare-ups, but, yeah, it impacts your social life for sure, and I completely understand that. You definitely learn who your friends are because not 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 everyone would be able to deal with something like yes let's do it oh sorry i'm not well yeah let's go out sorry i can't make it like that can get really annoying pretty quickly (laughs) so i understand that but yeah it's impacted impacted me a little bit but i mean i'm still i'm still capable of of going out and, and making plans they just tend to be more spur of the moment when i know i am well i like to do that and so I'm living a little bit more spontaneously now because it really is lack of the draw how how you wake up how you're feeling but that's okay how supportive was your family and friends after you told them about this diagnosis yeah they've been super supportive I mean they saw it from the start and how it progressed because it was a really slow progression and then just rapidly got a lot uh, a lot worse Um, and they've seen me at my worst you know in, in the hospital not able to not able to eat or, or sleep or to walk like when the pain is that bad they, they've seen they've seen it from the start and so they've been really really supportive my friends again small but strong circle of friends and they've been incredibly supportive too I think just understanding having you know knowing that maybe a chill day in is going to be the best way to spend the weekend rather than going out for a, you know hiking up a mountain like sometimes there's a little bit of adapting to be done but um, they don't hold it against me I don't show the disappointment of plans have to change and, and that's I think the best way they've been supportive and, and shown that they're, they're there for me and they understand random question but when it comes to your friends, would you prefer if they come to you so they visit you at your house rather than you having to leave the house? It is a really good question and I like the thought behind it. For me, I'm already incredibly isolated by the conditions. So if I am well enough to do something, I would much rather go out and do something because that might be the only thing I get to do that week, that two weeks, that month. So for me, going out and actually being able to spend time and actually feel like I'm, I'm living, that is far more important. Staying staying home with friends is great, but I, I, I would really much prefer it, even if we do just an hour out at dinner or a couple hours out to dinner, something chill and relaxed, it's not physically exerting, that, that's definitely my preferred method. So Rach, this is a condition that not many people may be aware of. Have you had many people tell you that this is not true or this doesn't exist and it's all in your head? And what is it like for you to hear that? I totally have. I think anyone with an invisible illness, which is is definitely what fibromyalgia would fall under, 
anyone with an invisible illness has probably to an extent encountered this definitely people have had worse than, than I have and it can hurt and you know uh, some days it's water off a duck's back so I, I can understand it without lifting it or being close to someone to witness someone with the condition it can be really hard to understand and I, I get that some people just can't get it and to be, that's that's pretty much how I leave it. Because when someone's in pain, there should be an obvious cause. You know, if you if you can see someone and they're, they're all bruised up, and you're like, oh, wow, that looks incredibly painful. But I present completely, you know, I, I present as, you know, a typical unaffected person would, but it's, it's all internal. So, I mean, if you Google image search uh, what fibro pain feels like, um, and um, you know what it would look like. That, that that's pretty. It's pretty hard to put into words. But if you Google image it, it's it's very accurate. I I just say to anyone who doesn't think it's a real condition is I mean the science definitely backs it up. There's now blood tests that show like this is a real condition. Um, it's not a psychological illness. It's not burnout. It's not depression. It's definitely not laziness. We're not whining or trying to get out of doing a task it's widespread dysfunction of the body and brain and it's really hard to understand it's really difficult to treat and it's impossible to cure at this stage there's no cure i I think just being mindful of the fact that just because someone doesn't look sick doesn't mean that they're not and maybe stay a little bit quiet if 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 you have doubts it's probably better to just leave it leave it out what shouldn't you say to someone with fibromyalgia yeah i mean that's it's a really good question Something to not say, I would, I would probably say the toughest thing that I, I heard, and it was very, very early on. In fact, it was the day I was diagnosed and probably a trigger warning would be needed for anyone you know, dealing with mental illness at the moment. My doctor had said after we'd finally reached a diagnosis, and you could see I was really upset by it. Um, and this had just been like a long battle in the lead up too. But he'd said, well, at least it's not terminal. You know, at least it's not going to kill you. It's that at least it's not, and comparing it to insert your perceived worst diagnosis that I think can be really destructive because it's, it's almost minimising in a way. Because at that time, I felt like I was dying and I was hoping to receive a diagnosis that something would be fixable, that it would be treatable or that they've figured it out and, and now here's how we get better. But to hear, oh, actually, you're, you're not dying. You just feel like you're dying. It's incurable. And at the moment, we're struggling to treat it, but we can try something else. That was a really hard pill to swallow. And yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of it a lot since, like the, the compare the pair. And I think I'm definitely a really positive person. I've got a, a great outlook on, on life. Um, but there's definitely a difference between positivity and toxic positivity. Sometimes it is just a bad you've been dealt a bad card and so I don't think we need to twist every everything into a positive spin like hmm that is a bad card and yeah not not comparing I think would be uh, a good way to go go about things how do you keep being resilient Rach for me I think resilience is definitely adapting finding a purpose a new purpose because you kind of got to grieve what you were hoping your potential to be and and finding what you still can do finding what you're passionate about and doing what you can with what you have can you be more specific i mean for me adapting has 
has meant that I had to make that really hard choice and it took me years to, to, to do it, but I had to make the really hard choice to loot, you know, leave something that I loved sky zone. I, you, you don't think about leaving a venue or a, or a business that, with, that you're obsessed with it. I was obsessed with sky zone. That was like, that was my happy place. I, I loved it, but it was absolutely draining me and so I had to adapt I'm like I still want to work I love this company I want to do something you know still here but I can't do this anymore and so you know reaching out to Lana who was a, you know a general manager now a cluster manager reaching out to you know Chelsea you know chief people officer and just being like I love this company I want to be here forever but I can't I can't stay in this venue anymore I'd like to find something where you know perhaps I'm going to have a better balance so finding my balance and getting you know getting the approval to work from home for the concierge team best gig ever I'm working under Liv McDonald who's my team leader and she's been incredibly supportive and understanding like all of my leaders before her and just kind of finding a new passion in this pathway from concierge. I now have learnt so much about the company because we kind of see everything behind the scenes and I'm capable of so much because I'm working from home. Everything is remote. Everything's from the comfort of my office. And so I've definitely, I've got more potential now because I can actually do what I'm doing. I'm I'm not physically wearing myself out and making myself worse. So yeah do what you can with with what you have i would like to ask you a question about leaders in not just our business but businesses in general who may have to encounter a situation where they would have someone reporting to them that would have this diagnosis what advice would you have for them i think i would suggest keeping really close communication like keep a really open dialogue and know that things can change things can evolve more information is coming out all the time the if it's a new diagnosis the the person with the condition is is often learning things all the time and you know learning new ways to cope i would suggest offering the fact that your door is going to be open that you understand and as long as communication is there whatever's going on you know it's it's work work outable for lack of a bad for lack of a better term that was the most relieving thing for me is when i finally did get a diagnosis and even in the lead up to I had really, really open line of conversation with Lana specifically as my venue manager and she, what she'd said to me is just stuck with me. It's just, it's okay, no matter what it is, like we'll work it out. You just need to keep communicating with me. Just keep keep me in the loop and, and we can figure the rest out. And that's exactly what I did. So I think I would suggest communication. Thank you for sharing that. Uh- I guess kudos to Lana and the support that she gave you during this time. It's amazing that we have people leaders in this business that show this amount of support to our mother funners. It's incredible. Yeah, people like Lana, Emily Whitehead, who's now another cluster manager, who was my other venue manager at Skyzone, like the support that I had, the understanding and just no judgment. If I came in for an eight-hour shift and then suddenly at three hours I was tapping out because I was literally at the edge. They were completely fine with it as long as I communicated it. So just 
just understanding that things change and adapting with us, I think, um, is really, really helpful. While I don't want to place all conditions in the same basket, I do want to focus on how life will change when we get news about our health, especially news that will change the way we live, like yourself with fibromyalgia. For those people receiving life-changing news because of a diagnosis, what advice would you have for them? Definitely probably ties into what I've said earlier, but I think firstly, it's okay to grieve, which sounds bizarre, but it, like it's okay to grieve the loss of potential. The the past, you know, your, your healthy self might be no longer, but you know, once you've worked through that, and that can be a long process, like for me, years, because it comes to a lot of acceptance as well. You need to kind of accept the new way of living. But once you've worked through that, I'd say set some goals. For me, that that's worked. Work with what you've had. Put your health first. That would be the, the best thing is to just set some new goals. Find your limits. Self-advocate. Educate those around you. And, and just find people who encourage you and support you, inspire you, uh, and want the best for you. Thank you so much. Now, Rach, I've got one last question for you. What are the top three things about being a mother funner? Oh, that's a good one. Top three things. I think the the culture. It just the just how fun it is. Like this is a fun place to work. I'm working from home and in the office. I think it's the best gig ever. Um, so how much fun we've got um, because of our culture. I think our our core values. I think that's that's probably one of the best things about it. Because if if we're living those core values, I mean best place to work all, all of them fantastic um, and then just the connections that I've made through this company through Fun Lab the friends that I've made and the things that I've learned the opportunities that I've had that I don't think I would have had otherwise I think Fun Lab's been very very generous and continues to be with opportunities so yeah that's definitely one of the best things awesome well Rach thank you so much for chatting with us on our most recent episode of You Mother Funner I have definitely been incredibly educated by you on your condition and what it's like to live with fibromyalgia and I'm hoping anyone listening to this would feel the same way. So thanks for taking the time today and I hope you have an amazing week ahead. Thank you. Love a good chit-chat. Thank you for listening to today's episode. What an amazing story. If you have any suggestions or would like to be on the show, please email podcast at fun-lab.com. That is podcast at fun-lab.com. My name is Saj. I hope you have an amazing week. You mother funner. Fun Lab. <laughs>